Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sanderlanch podcast. This week, we are reading The Hero of Ages. That's the third Mistborn book. Chapters 45, 46, 47, and 48, wherein Vin talks to not actually Reen, and we find out some interesting stuff about what's going on there. Breeze and Sazed have some, uh, some deep conversations, and then Spook shows up. Blowing away once again the idea that uh, Spook is going to try to stay away from the crew. Ellen talks to some people and we get some additional issues with the, the Mistfallen. And then uh, Vin reads the Lord Ruler's final message. Just, just saying that reminds me of like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. It's like God's final message to his creation. Vin reads that thingy. So I am Data and with me is... Joe. Jamie. And Dak. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sandra Lanch is about to begin. As the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust, the foundations of our hope begin to rust. Choking fear, screaming sound, as a reaper comes to ground, you turn to face it down because you bust. And when the world is starts to So yeah, four chapters this week, starting part four, Beautiful Destroyer. What did you guys think of these four? Depressing stuff. I feel like this was the first time I predicted something that was right, and we found out pretty quick, so that was pretty cool. So yeah, that's not Reen. That's Ruin, and he's evil, doing his evil thing. And then um, I was surprised, kind of pleasantly surprised. Well, let, let me back up a little bit. I was irritated with Spook, which is pretty normal. Because yeah, Luke was yeah. doing something extremely irritating. He just doesn't need to talk to Beldre. I don't care how he feels about her. He just needs to leave her alone. Just do what you came to do. Get on with your life, bro. And then Say's deciding that he is going to take up those, uh, take up his uh, metal mines again. That's pretty cool. So exciting. Excited about that. And then, yeah, the whole like Ellen having to deal with everything going on with the troops and being scared that Vin is gone. I'm, I just want to see some action, which it sounds like we're, we're probably going to get pretty quick. And then Vin being in the dark, spooky vault, it's dark and spooky. But I did like, I did like the uh, metal sheet that the Lord ruler wrote, wrote on. It's a depressing message, but something interesting <laughs> at least. Yeah. So, you know, these were okay. It's the beginning of a part. And I always feel like a lot of times the beginning of the parts in these books are a little slow. But it was it was not bad. Yeah, yeah. There's some there's some stuff happening, some sad stuff, some happy stuff. It really is kind of a downer message that the Lord Ruler left. Uh, not nearly as helpful as they might have hoped. No, not, not helpful at all. <laughs> not really what you want is your last message that you mm. found on this this trail of hope. Yeah. Bye, <laughs> <laughs> ah, like, oh, I don't really care. <laughs> I'm dead now, so I mean, I guess it doesn't matter, right? Guys, I dead, fucked I up, but whatever. <laughs> it's like it's like what people ask. Well, what happens if you don't finish? Uh, they've asked George R. R. Martin. Well, what happens if you don't finish the Game of Thrones books before you die? He's like, I'll be dead. I won't care. <laughs> <laughs> My family's set. It's fine. You know how much money these books have made. I don't even know. Is he like married and with kids? I, I have no idea. 
He's, he is I don't know, actually. Hmm. Okay. Uh, speaking of which, I think it's like the 10th anniversary of the show premiering like a, a few days ago or something. Jeez, really? Yep. Really? Yeah, because I remember I went to Comic-Con in San Diego in 2010, and that was the hype, was that the show, or maybe it was 2011, it was right after the show came out. I think it was 2011, so like the first season had just aired. It was either right, it was either the year before the first season aired or the year after. Yeah, well, um, it aired 2011, so it would have been just after. Yeah, yeah, so uh, if it was the Comic-Con 2011, man, it was the hype there, right? So if you went to the panel, you got a copy of the first book, a t-shirt with one of the houses on it, and also like a camp uh, stool to sit on, and a drawstring like little backpack thing, all just for going to the panel that was how much money they were pouring into it just just not you know giving out all this stuff to all these people that went to the and it was an all age too which is like the biggest hall at the san diego convention center mm, so yeah. it was it was pretty nuts uh and i didn't know anything about it at the time but but yeah it's been, so yeah it's been 10 years since that show premiered now wow yeah i went in 2009 I think, and that was that was the hall that they did the uh, Lost panel in. That's the only one I went to in that, and it was crazy huge. Was that before the disappointment of the end of Lost? Yeah, it was like it was before the last <laughs> season, maybe, or before the second to last season. I gotta look this up. Hold on, Lost. Yeah, I want to say Lost ended ended in 2011, so that would make sense that it. Well, uh, Lost uh, ended May 2010. 2010. Okay, so, so yeah, it would have been right before the la- the 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 summer before the last season started. Lost was like that last TV show that my family would sit and watch together and we were ridiculous because we were very late to, to Lost and I remember one Christmas we got like season one, two and three on DVD. I don't know why we got it if we'd never watched it but we decided as a family we were going to sit down and do it and I kid you not, my mum had notebooks. She was writing clues down. <laughs> we had on, like We had the family whiteboard and we had all of those numbers that were written down and like we were like racking our brains trying to figure it out and we got to like it had us until the last episode <laughs> it was like seriously we called this in season one guys <laughs> uh, and then you went no 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 that's not how it's gonna end and then you did it anyway <laughs> betrayal um, I, I i think what bothered me most was they kept being like all the questions will be answered we're promising you that everything's gonna be wrapped up like right up until the end and then they were like well i mean we didn't wrap everything up but and i was like no you really you kind of this was all disappointment and i'm so sad <laughs> it's like uh it's like how i met your mother too it's like the first season you're like oh well he's gonna get he's gonna eventually end up with robin that's totally what's gonna happen and it's like well no that's not the mother but then that that is what ends up happening so spoilers oh well i mean that shows that show <laughs> ended. we're talking about the end of lost i think that show ended maybe like four years yeah. after lost so uh, but all he said about the end of lost was that it was horribly disappointing and that jamie's family called it in season one I never actually watched season one of that show. I started season two, and then I never went back and watched season one. I was like, what, like Mr. Echo's not in season one? Nah, screw it. I don't care. <laughs> I think I, I thought I watched the pilot with you at at uh, at your house. No, I don't think so. Hmm. I think I think I'm, I, I may have watched the pilot with some people later, but I didn't. I have seen the pilot now that you mentioned that. I haven't seen any of the rest of season one, but I've seen the pilot. Because Matt Parkman uh, from Heroes is the the pilot and gets eaten by the smoke monster or something. I remember that. Yeah, he's J.J. Uh, Abrams and him are friends, so he's like in everything J.J. does. Anyway, uh, Jamie, what did you think of these? <laughs> Wait, did you do yours? I forget. <laughs> no, not yet. <laughs> okay, go ahead. What did you think of these? Um, yeah, a bit of a Lord Ruler Downer 
moment there. Um, everyone's just kind of a little bit taking stock of where they're up to, I guess. We had some fairly significant things go down in the last chapters that we were reading. So everyone's kind of taking stock. When we finally got Spook and Sazed back together, I was like, and you've been stabbed. And now you have magic powers. No, we're not going to talk about Okay, Sazed is going to have to put the metal mines back on to figure it out himself. <laughs> this is the only way you're actually going to have a conversation about it. But it was a nice interaction, I thought, between the two of them. And the fact that Sazed is even willing to put the metal mines back on was pretty cool. So I'm hoping that's going to unlock a whole bunch of information for us and see where we go from there. I thought it was interesting that the Lord Ruler in the or in his last message, he was calling himself the Hero of Ages too. He really thought he was the Hero of Ages. So that was interesting. And Ruin, I liked. <laughs> Ruin, <laughs> liked that's good. Yeah. Ruin. <laughs> yeah, I, Joe definitely called it in the last episode and I was really happy that that's how it sort of came together in the end. I think I ended up going, it is Reen, just to play devil's advocate really. but. No, that was that was pretty cool. And so Vin's still in the cabin alone, but not really alone because Ruin's always with her. So very interesting. But yeah, not a lot really went down, but I still really enjoyed the read. Yeah, she's in there all alone, except for and and the, I feel like it was really creepy when it's like I've always been here, Vin. It's like oh, which is totally what Joe predicted, yeah. but it's still creepy. Play with us, Danny. You sort of got to wonder how much of if, if Ruin has been that voice for Vin since she was so young, you've almost got to wonder how much of that affected the relationship she had with Reen. Yeah. And yep. so because she's got Reen's voice in her head saying everyone will betray you, everyone will leave you, which is really isolating her. Not to say that Reen's a good guy because he obviously he was, he was beating her and stuff, but it did sound like he had her best interests at heart when you really dug into it. Like he was trying to protect really both of them. But, you know, on, on some level she can see that. But how much of how she interacted with him was affected by Ruin's voice? You know, would they have had a totally different relationship if they didn't, if she didn't have Ruin's voice in her head? Um, right. That's really, really interesting. Yeah, it's kind of sad. Like, yeah, it might have poisoned her whole relationship with her brother uh, mm. to some extent. It's too late to fix that well, now. Well, yeah. He was still beating her, so. That's also true. Oh, and I'm, like, not condoning that and not saying that it was right. He shouldn't have been doing that. But, yeah, how, like, it, I guess it's that psychological stuff too, and she's always second-guessing everything in the back of the head, going, yeah, yeah. you know, Green's horrible and yada, yada, yada. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't a great guy either way. I think we're we're all on the same page <laughs> on that. <laughs> yeah. Still, older brothers, do not go around beating your sisters to protect them. That's not really the way this no. should be done there are other ways what i have learned from these chapters is i need to stop make trying to make what i think are sensible predictions <laughs> yeah you were like this is ridiculous so ridiculous i'm not even gonna really predict it and then it was like oh nope yeah and then and then joe's joe, joe just came in and just went that's not ridiculous and here's why and lays it out i'm just like that makes a total amount of sense and of course that's what <laughs> wound up happening so and then on the flip side you got me saying it's like no i think that like the sensible part of my brain says no no spooks like now that he's exposed, he's not going to come back to them. Next freaking chapter, there he is. Yeah, so, he sure is. He sure so is. So I'm just like, like, you know what? I need to stop playing it safe with these predictions and saying, <laughs> oh, this is logical. I need to just start swinging for the fences and saying whatever random shit. I'm bringing volcanoes back. <laughs> uh, uh, really, Spook does. Spook never does the smart thing. It seems like so. 
Yeah, well. Yeah. I, I think we just need to know understand Spook more. And and that is Spook's going to do the thing that he should not do <laughs> because he doesn't know better. He's got the card that says always do the opposite of what Spook thinks. <laughs> On your volcano theory, Dak, though, this is still this is playing out. You called the significance of volcanoes really in in book one. So the fact that Ruin is really going to town on the earthquakes and the volcanoes and the ash. I mean, look, you were definitely onto something. Yeah. Maybe not that Adium created the volcanoes, <laughs> but not that we know no, of you yet. Knew. <laughs> Oh my god! If we get to the end of this book <laughs> and it turns out that Adium created volcanoes, I will eat my yeah. hat. I don't know. You just you just have to burn it with <laughs> your lumen or something at the same time and volcano somehow. It's like yeah. Yeah, that's 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 where the Adium is gone. Ruin has stolen it all and he's using he's pumping it into the volcanoes. Yep, yep. There you go. I guess let's move into these chapters. So our first epigraph is. Uh, Basically, more explanation of how enhancing hemallergic powers works. An Inquisitor who was a Seeker and then gets a spike to use bronze as, like, double bronze, basically. So that's why Inquisitors were often able to pierce copper clouds. And then we jump into the Vin and Rain fight, which isn't so much fight as Vin jumping around, swinging at something we later find out is not there at all. So to anyone else, she would have looked kind of silly. But she really thinks this through. Like, she's trying to fight him. And he's too fast for her to hit. And he spends the whole time trying to convince her. He's like, no, I'm really your brother, dude. And she thinks... Sorry, go what does, which, what does he gain by that, by the way? Like, this is an excellent question. Yeah. Like, what, is he, what, does she, what does he really get out of that? Like, oh, look, I'm your brother. It's me. Well, I mean, if he's also Kelsier, then he's able to use Kelsier to manipulate Spook pretty well. So. Right. I think it would have been a better move for him to pretend to be Kelsier, honestly. In this situation. Mm, I can see that, yeah. Or she, like, knowing that she's going around looking for the Lord Ruler's plates, but he could have appeared to her as Rashek and just gone, sup? <laughs> How's it going? Uh, it's like, he's I'm still alive. got spears sticking out, of it, sticking out of him. He's like, the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Come and see the spear wound in my chest. In this Kill. eye. This really Rashek. stings. Killed my father. Prepare to die. Wait, well, no, you killed me. <laughs> Vin's first reaction is uh, that maybe it's a Chondra, which is also one of the theories that we came up with, which makes sense for her. She knows of one thing that can look like somebody else. And at first he's like, what are you trying? What are you talking about? As if he doesn't know what a Chondra is. And he comes back. He's like, look, I'm not a Chondra. okay?" And she's like, we'll see about that. And then tries to like emotional allomancy him, which would affect a Chondra or a person like noticeably. And nothing happens. So she's like, wait a second. And then. I like her idea. She's like, I know he's clearly really fast and really good, but he can't hit me if he can't see or he can't dodge me if he can't see me. So she breaks the one lantern, basically, so that they're fighting in the dark. (laughs) Genius, Ben. Genius. And somehow still can't hit him. And then she realizes because she's using her bronze to try to follow him. She can feel the alimantic stuff. And she realizes when she's in the dark and falling with just the bronze, it feels kind of like. The mist spirit, and it feels like, but not exactly like that. And she realizes what it actually feels like is that thing that she released from the Well of Ascension. And she figures it out really fast. Like, I was impressed by how fast she came up with what what this was. Given that she has no idea it can appear as, like, a person to you. And she's like, why are you here? And he's like, ha, 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 I should have known you wouldn't be fooled. Said a kindly voice in her head. 
So yeah, Ruin's, Ruin's a nice guy. It's fine. What? How do you, how do you guys picture a kindly voice? Because I read that and I thought Ted Danson. Interesting. Not wouldn't have been my first, but I can see that. <laughs> well, yeah, especially if you watch The Good Place, he he plays the dichotomy yeah. of like yeah being good and then also secretly being evil. Oh, that's it's true. all there. That wasn't even the Ted Danson I was thinking of. I was thinking of either Cheers or like Becker. But oh, no, man, that makes Becker, sense. Oh, that was a great show. Oh, I forgot about Becker. He's so sarcastic on Becker though that I was like, like he's like maybe he's that's not playing the kind house. Of, he kind of is, yeah. And Terry Hatcher's in that from Star Trek Deep Space Nine, and she's great. So, but then you got me thinking of Cheers, and I was like, no, it's probably like a kindly voice would be like Woody or Coach from Cheers, right? Oh yeah, I could say that. Did you say Terry Hatcher? That's not who that is. No, you're right. That's not right at all. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? <laughs> it's Terry. Uh, I don't know. It's definitely not Terry Hatcher. You're yeah, thinking of Lois and Clark. Terry Farrell. I was thinking of, well, I was thinking of her name, Terry, and like put the wrong one there. But yeah. I gotcha. Put the brain in the robot. Wow. Terry Farrell was married to Leonard Nimoy's kid. That's interesting. Hmm. Or is married to him. Not was. Also, Narcissa Malfoy recently died. That was sad. Oh, oh. that was that was really sad. I really liked her. Hmm. She was so young, only like 52. I think so, yeah. yeah. She's married to Damian Lewis. Oh, really? I like him. From uh, He was in that TV show Life. It's a great show. Is, that, is he the guy from um, Homeland? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Life, Life was a better show than Homeland, in my opinion. I never saw Homeland. Um, I know that like Marina Bakarin from uh, Firefly was in there. but Yes, she was. That's all I really know about that one. Well, and that he—I knew he was in that also, obviously. But uh, so anyway, Ru, Ruin is like, so, uh, or Vin's like, "What do you want?" And he's like, "You know what I want? What I've always—you've always known what I want." And she's like, "Oh, well, yeah." Uh, she sensed at the moment that she touched the thing, Ruin, it wanted to end the world. And so we spend a conversation here with uh, Vin being like, "I'm going to stop you," and Ruin's like, "Why? What's so wrong with ending the world?" And she's like. Um, everything? He's like, dude, everything has to end. It's not a big deal. It's just your time. Yeah, even books have to end abruptly and make no sense at the end. <laughs> Ooh. Burn. And like she she's like, okay, yeah, but why are you here now to like make fun of me? Did you just come to like gloat over the fact that I'm in prison now? And that's when he does his thing, it's like, I haven't just appeared. I never left. I've always been with you, Vin. And he does the thing where he like starts talking in Reen's voice in her head and then like gradually changes to his voice or whatever. And it's like, oh, that's creepy. And that's and that's where the chapter ends. It's like, I've always been with you. You've heard me in your mind since your first years of life. I, I didn't do anything at all. It was inside you all along. <laughs> Finn, it was always you. But the, uh, the second epigraph starts taking us in a different direction where the epigraph writer is trying to explain Ruin's imprisonment and escape. And it's kind of weird. I don't know what you guys came away from this. Did you feel like it made sense? Yeah, I mean, I, I read it and I just thought, uh, yeah, I guess, I, guess, I guess this works. I can understand it. Okay. I mean, does it make sense in the world of real physics and nature? No. But, I mean, <laughs> that's not where we are. Yeah, so, basically... It, it, it tells us that the prison was kind of constructed of preservation and it's such an opposite force that if the two forces met in a direct confrontation, it would destroy both of them. So 
then when preservation's power is released and let go, ruin can come out. So, all right. It's uh, the yin yang, you know, push pull. Yeah. Full balance. And we get into a little more of that in, this, in the next epigraph. So we'll save, I guess, that for then. <laughs> we cut to, to Breeze being like, so, uh, somebody want to guess how our team spy ended up as a pseudo religious vigilante freedom fighter? And says, is like, nah, I'm not touching that. So they're all just sitting around in their little basement waiting for Spook to come back. And I like the note that they're sitting at a fine table, Breeze and Alrian are, that they've pilfered from an empty nobleman's mansion. And they also changed back to their nice clothes. Uh, Breeze is in a suit and Alrian in a peach dress. That's just how they sit around. It's all good. Got to remain true to yourself. Yeah, you know. I mean, most people come home at the end of the day and put some comfy clothes on or something. But, <laughs> you know. I think we've already established Breeze and Ulrianna aren't most people. No, not so much. Yeah. It, it doesn't go it'd go into house says it's probably just walking around in pajama pants. <laughs> I just like the idea that Breeze is like, we need somewhere comfy to, or nice to sit. You guys go get us a nice table somewhere. <laughs> and so they're talking about like maybe Spook's like just, you know, waiting till he can kind of come back without implicating us. And we find out that uh, there's a bunch of soldiers watching outside now. Because they're like, you know, maybe he can't get past the soldiers that are uh, watching. So the the citizen has, is not leaving them alone. When in reality they've given him too much credit here, he's gone to talk to his yeah be girlfriend. Yep. <laughs> you know, I've had, I've had unrequited crushes in my life, but never to the extent where the woman told me, "If you don't leave, I'm gonna scream I'm in scream. three seconds." <laughs> And then you don't and, leave. Uh, and then I don't does. leave. Yeah, right. Because I'm pretty sure if a woman told me she was going to scream in three seconds if I didn't leave, I'd just turn around and leave. Because, you know, I don't need that. <laughs> I don't need that in my life. It's like, it's clear that she doesn't want me here because uh, she said this thing. So I think I'm going to go. It's like, you can take that at face value. <laughs> in the words of my cousin, no means no, bro. <laughs> that's, that, that's the way you got to put it so they understand. You had that bro on there to show that, you know, we're buddies, but... Uh, you got to understand that no means no. She needs to say it in his slang. It's like knowing to the piss off. <laughs> yeah. There's also, uh, knowing I to don't, the piss off. I, I, knowing to the piss off. I, I don't want to be buddies with Spook. That's, uh, <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to say bro to him. Uh, he's not my bro. <laughs> and also like, he's an adult now. He should know better. This is ridiculous. But they're trying to decide if Spook, if Spook jumping off a second story building out of a fiery, you know, uh, off a fiery building with a kid in his arms was faked somehow. And they're like, no, I don't think it could have been. And not only that, but if he'd like gotten people in place to help him fake it, it would have defeated the whole point. Because if the underground was helping, the underground would know that it was not real. So and then they're like, man, you think he's been misborn this whole time? Like, no, that's if he could keep that a secret, that would be impressive. And why? And then we get uh, Sazed. He's kind of polishing up his metal minds and thinking about religions again. And he touches on one religion that I don't. Did he mention this one before uh, about Trell? He said it was one of his favorites, but I actually don't recall whether we'd heard about this one specifically. I feel like maybe we have. I'm trying to remember the the, the thing about it. Like it was like like Trell was this many eyed God and like the stars were his eyes. And then he had his, like his brother who was jealous and was the sun. And it was like, I need to be brighter than Trell. I, I think that was what it was. Uh, if that rings any bells. Right bell. I don't know why that's so relevant that I had to go back and figure it out, but <laughs> he's talking about it here. So 
He's mm, relevant for the future, perhaps? Oh, yeah. Troll's totally going to show up later. <laughs> I mean... Trell Trell is preservation, and the other one, the sun is ruin. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Trell just makes me think of Trill, which just makes me think of Tracy Fuller again. So, or Terry Fuller. Ter Terry Farrell. Terry Farrell. There we go. <laughs> now I got it. And and Says is thinking like maybe Spook just became a misborn. Maybe it's possible. We just don't know. Maybe my metal minds could tell me about that. No, no, no. Never mind. If only we could think back to other mistings that have been in our crew that suddenly develop more power. Hmm. wonder what could have happened to them. <laughs> no, can't be the same thing. <laughs> he even has problems with his eyes. That's true. And I think <laughs> there's even... <laughs> I think there's even a bit in somewhere where it's like, he look, with those weird glasses on, he looks kind of like an Inquisitor. I remember that. And yet, still nothing. Maybe I'm thinking of something that comes later again. It's possible. Man, look, he's he's finally he's finally dipping into uh, spoiler territory without realizing it. We've got him. We got mm -hmm. him. But then we cut to, the the save section ends with where was that boy? And then we cut to Spook hanging out with Beldry. It's like I know why you're so sad. Um, I don't know if you can call this hanging out. Hanging out implies that both parties want to be there. Okay, creepily staring at. Yeah. <laughs> Just, let's just call and it what then, it is. He's stalking again, the girl. From, yes. From the shadows. And again, the and he can't yes, and the first, the first words he says are, I know why you're so sad. What? what, what? You could say something nice. I'm just, you know. Like, well, right now I'm sad because this dude won't get the fuck out of my garden. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just walk up to this poor girl. She's like, the hell are you doing here? How, get away from me. And he's just like, I know why you're sad. <laughs> Well, not only that, <laughs> he he then has a big speech where he mansplains like her sadness and is like, first I thought it was this, but no, and then I thought it was that, but no, this is why you're sad. Yeah, misstep after misstep here, spook. But what I mean, I've come to I've come to expect nothing less. <laughs> As a woman, I would feel a bit funny if this guy came up to me and goes, "I know what you're feeling. I know what you're sad about." It's like. <laughs> Do you? Because there's some serious complex emotions going on right now. I don't even know why I'm sad. Why do you think you know why I'm sad? Well, you, you don't know how much he's been staring at you when you're not paying attention. So clearly yeah, true. he understands. <sighs> you. I don't think I want listeners, to know. <laughs> listeners of this podcast who are still on Spook's side, wh what? Why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't get it. I don't get it. Even if he's the savior of the book, he did it in such a weird, creepy-ass way. I don't care. <laughs> oh, poor creepy spook. Oh man, guy, you gotta learn some. You gotta learn some social skills, okay? Look, I get it. I was an awkward teen, you know. I was a little socially inept myself, but I got through it. And I acted like I started acting like a normal person. You Maybe. can do it. To some yeah, extent. I mean, to some extent, I'm still weird. <laughs> but I found somebody who liked my weirdness, and now yeah, you know that's I'm the done. Way you do it. Yeah, exactly. But nobody likes this. <laughs> Especially not the girl. No one, no, no one respects yeah, mutual not. creepy. You know? No. no. <laughs> Turns out Beldry's been stalking him too. Yeah, just, and yeah, they've just been looking, staring each other from the shadows. <laughs> Yeah, we got another we got another trash can situation where she's falling around <laughs> in the trash can. He's 
he's going to be walking down the street and the voice is just going to come out of the shadows like, I know why you wear those glasses. <laughs> she pops and out of the trash like, can. Yeah, hurts, darn it. <laughs> she pops out of the trash can. She's like, I know you hear a voice. That's actually my voice. You stole it. <laughs> She's actually just got this perfect Kelsier impression worked out. Oh, my gosh. She's just been Kelsier all along somehow. Yeah. Even though she's screaming to kill her brother, it's like the perfect plan. <laughs> yeah. you in, know? in this scene, Kelsier is like, kill him. Quillian's inside. Get him. Which can't she's make just... the conversation with his sister any more, you know, normal uh, when there's someone in your head going, kill him. And you might be even, you know, you might try and blame the voice for making Spook extra creepy. But no, he did this crap before the voice. So <laughs> you can't tell me. That the voice is making him creepy. That's not what's happening. Now he just has someone in his head to talk to about the creepy. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be his next line. The next time we see her, it's like, hey, did you know that I have a voice in my head? Kelsey tells me to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even Ruin at this point has got to be like, this motherfucker's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> Do I want this guy on my team? <laughs> I just, I just, I just imagine like he comes up and he comes out with that line. It's like, yeah, the voice tells me to kill people. He's just thinking to himself, chicks like that, right? Yeah. Vin, Vin, kills, Vin kills people all the time. Exactly. He tells me to burn things. <laughs> <laughs> Good work, lad. Now you know what you must do. Burn down, down, down. down. Burn, burn them all. Them all. <laughs> Wait, that's what Quillian's been doing. Does Quillian have the leprechaun? Yeah, he must. <laughs> He's been burning a lot of houses down, yeah. 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 All because they bent his Wookiee. Now I want to see everyone lined up with, like, their imaginary friends. It's like Vin's there and, like, Reen's standing next to her in, like, a Jedi ghost. And then you got Spook and Kelsier. And then Quillian's got a little leprechaun on his shoulder. Inexplicably, <laughs> uh, I've just imagined Clubs' as imaginary friend. It's just a wooden carving of himself that he made so he has someone to go drinking with. Yeah. And then you got to have Dead Zane and uh, the voice of his god, which in this case will be played by, um, like, his mental image of what he thinks Vin is, but that's not really what she is. For some reason, I thought you were going to be like, and in this case, it's played by uh, Edward James Olmos. Or, uh, or uh, let's, let's go back to the well. Ted Dance? Oh, yeah, Ted Dance, sure. Kill him. <laughs> Listen, James like, did Earl we, Jones? Did we say a while ago that like, we thought that... Um, he was hearing the voice of God, and then there was something like the drums of God mentioned in the last book. It was like, man, this guy's just starting a metal band. Yep. <laughs> Zane's got, got the this guitar band following him around. Maybe Zane's on guitar. Kelsey are complete guitar. It's fine. Maybe it's uh, like in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, you know, when they're, they're the guy's following Sir Robin. He's like, brave Sir Robin, Sir Robin. <laughs> and they've got the coconuts and stuff. Maybe, yeah, that's, exactly. maybe that's what's going on. Yeah. That's enough singing, minstrel. I just feel like if I'm running Kelsier, away and buggering off. <laughs> if Kelsey was going to play an instrument, wouldn't he be a guitar guy? Like, yeah, Kelsey. maybe. Kelsey will want to be lead vocals because that's the most dramatic. Oh yeah, no, page. that's true. Yeah, lead vocals maybe on keys as well. You know, it's mm. classic. Oh yeah, yep. Marsh, anyway. Marsh is just like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go bass again, aren't I? No one likes <laughs> Marsh is totally on bass. Yep. Yeah, Ham's the drummer. Gotta be without the sleeves. <laughs> And, and um, how do know. we get you? I don't know. I was trying to think of who would play accordion in this group, just because it's so accordion. weird. But, yeah, just I like mean, somebody's in the corner on a random other instrument that makes yeah, no sure. sense in the band. Let's go with Sazed for that. That sounds like his bag. He's like, whoa, you don't understand. The accordions play such a great place in culture and history. It has to be a part of the band. 
I was, th- I was okay, trying to think, who, who's whatever. like Weird Al that would be like, because Weird Al would show up with an accordion. So who, right. who's the Weird Al of the group? But I don't know. Oh, uh, no. I'm, I'm, I'm picturing Breeze is probably sub- subjected to playing the triangle and hating it. <laughs> yep. He's in a suit <laughs> and he's just all stiffly standing there waiting for his moment. Yeah. It's like, I, I could have been the equipment manager, but no. Yeah. And Orion's there with the tambourine. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Seth. okay, seriously. This is a band. It's ridiculous. Seth's doing the lights. Uh, God. So, so anyway, Spook is like, you're upset about your brother, and he's killing kids, and trying to cover up the fact that he's gathering Alamancers, and Beldridge is like, just go. And he's like, hey, I'm going to overthrow your brother. We overthrew the Lord Ruler. Quellian's going to be hardly even a challenge. It's a late afternoon Trisket compared to the Lord Ruler. That's a, that, that's a, that's a Hudson Hawk reference for anyone. Uh, wow, late afternoon Trisket, yeah. You really polished that one off, or you really <laughs> uh, got that one out of mothballs. Yeah. So he's like, hey, join us, Beldry, and help us. And she's like, I'm going to start screaming in three heartbeats. <laughs> Even if I don't like my brother at this point, would I want to get with the guy who says he's going to kill my brother? No, I don't think that is something that I would want to do. <laughs> and then he's like, you I'm really got to work on your pickup lines. <laughs> you, you, I'm not, I don't fear your guards. Come on, that's a great pickup line, right? <laughs> <laughs> hey, baby, you ever had your brother killed? <laughs> i mean it worked for vin they got married right after that it's true yeah yeah uh he's then... really taking just all the wrong lessons from vin yeah seriously <laughs> just what did vin do to get a boyfriend uh or a husband let's see okay yeah 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 kill the last person that he was engaged to okay we'll look into that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yep kill killed all the siblings that she knew about or could find even even crushed one's skull with her skull. Yeah, put that on the on the docket. Uh, I still I don't think I still think nobody else nobody know, alive probably knows that those guys were related to Ellen. So yeah. But anyway, so she like, she starts screaming. Is he's the got a notebook there? Just go like no, I have Peter now. Note to self: can potentially break skulls. <laughs> Headbutt of doom. <laughs> Underlined twice. <laughs> Copyright. Yeah. <laughs> Copyright the Sanderlange. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there you go. But uh, he runs and Kelsier's like, no, go kill Quellian. He's the real monster. But Spook, uh, she, he just leaves. Like that, the bit where Kelsier slash Ruin is screaming there is just kind of a very Saturday morning cartoon villain sort of thing. Get him. He's the real monster. Also, she won't stop screaming. Jesus Christ. I could totally see, like, Cobra <laughs> Commander or Megatron. It's like, yeah. get him! Get <laughs> him! He's the real monster! <laughs> I don't know what that was. I just turned into a giant gun. He's the real monster. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we cut back to Sazed, and him and Breeze have, like, a conversation about why Sazed doesn't use his metal minds anymore. And basically... I don't, I, I don't, I don't know if we'd gotten, if we've been privy to this before, exactly why he wasn't using them, but the way he lays it out now is that he doesn't believe in stuff anymore, so he feels like it would be hypocritical to use them because that would mean that that would be telling people that he thought there was something of value in them. Which I think he kind of hinted at previously, or things that we had read kind of hinted at that. But in all honesty, I feel like that's kind of flawed logic because. The metal mines work. Yeah. Like, 
yes, the information that you may have gathered, maybe those religions aren't really worth anything right now, but the metal mines themselves work to help people. So why deprive yourself the ability to help people and deprive the possible assistance you could render just because you don't believe in the information you stored in them? That doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Well, and really, I think a big part of the problem is that Say's personal thing has always been religions. So he's like, well, I don't believe any of the religions, so none of it is worth anything. But there's a lot of other stuff in there. As we find out in this chapter where Spook's like, hey, you've got like how to like waterworks information, engineering stuff in there, right? Use that. We're going to need that. There's medicine in there. There's all sorts of useful information in there that he's ignoring because of the religions that he doesn't know if he believes anything anymore. It's not a matter of, do you believe in engineering? That's just a thing that you can use. I mean, we knew he had that information because at the start of the second book, he was teaching those villagers, trying to teach them religion. It's like, they really don't care. All right, I'll show you how to build an aqueduct or something. Right. Faze wasn't broken then. He could look at other things and go, this is more important to teach you. Whereas he's been through this loss and he's not recovered from that at all. So for him, he's just, he's just sort of retreated and gone well everything i know is false even though like when you look at the big picture it's not so Mm -hmm. this this might be a good step forward for him yeah yeah when 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 you're like depressed everything just you look at everything in that light so yeah it just really comes down to the fact that throughout the other books he's the one that the all the others rely on to you know be the voice of reason and basically basically be the team therapist now he himself he himself needs like someone to be that for him and no one's stepping up. Breeze is trying a little bit, but he's not all that good at it. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's Breeze. I mean, he could do worse, I guess. He could be having a conversation with Set, but right. <laughs> Set's like, you know, when I feel bad, I kill someone, then I feel less bad. <laughs> and Says so is like, that's that does not help. It's that like, is the opposite of helping. Try that. <laughs> is there a religion about killing people? No, I'm sure maybe, there is. Maybe that's the good one. That's what I, mean. I remember Kelsey are asking. He's like, is there a religion that is like killing noblemen is a holy duty or something? Yeah. And then he started Which, his own. Yeah. It's it's kind it's of Blackjack the, the Urto version of uh, <laughs> the Urto version of survivorism involves killing lots of noblemen. So and there's an earthquake that's so bad it like knocks the metal mines off the table and stuff. And Breeze is like, does it seem like those are coming more often? And says so like, yep, they definitely are. And uh, yeah, no, that's and and they also discuss whether it's a great idea to be have an underground hideout during earthquakes. But you know, what are you gonna do? And that's when Spook comes back, which we did not think he was going to do. Here he is. As soon as he's done being creepy to the girl, he shows up again. And this is when he at least at least he finally comes out and does what Jamie's been saying since Breeze and Says shows up showed up. He's like, Spook, you need to mention that Quellian is secretly using Alamancers. And I guess he wanted to confirm like how the whole thing, like how he was recruiting them, how all this thing works is his explanation before he said anything. He's like, now that we have to actually have some truth behind it now, I guess, because he has come out and said things. He said more in this conversation than I thought he was going to with ruin in his head anyway. So whether it's a case of ruin just doesn't care if this information is being shared or, he doesn't have thought. He doesn't have that level of control over Spook yet. I don't know, but I was like, yeah, look, you did actually come forward with more information than I thought you would on the first go. 
Yeah, and we're, I mean, honestly, we're still not sure what Ruin wants Spook to accomplish here. He keeps trying to get him to kill Quellian, so mm. overthrowing Quellian, I guess, is on the docket for Ruin, but... Yeah, true. But also, like, Breeze and Says keep pointing out how, like, you can't just kill the guy, that's not going to overthrow his government. So either Ruin doesn't think about it that much, that, or he doesn't care, I don't know, it's hard to... We still don't know what this this thing really wants, except to end the world. How this is going to help with that, who the heck knows. He might just be trying to destabilize Vin's crew by getting one of them to do something so incredibly stupid he'll get killed in the process. Mm. Yeah, kill off everyone who might help Vin. That probably couldn't hurt. Uh, but Breeze is like, oh, no, this is great. We can use this. And then he's like, hey, says, so can, uh, you know, they drain the streets. Can we un-drain? Can we reverse the process? And says, like, Maybe if we had enough engineering expertise and Spook's like, well, is there knowledge in your metal mines that would help with that? And so he's like, um, yeah, so he's like, OK, use that then. So he wants to flood, restore the water to the city streets to give everyone a miracle at the same time that they expose <laughs> their leader as a hypocrite. Yeah. And, I, you know, Say's response at first is like, you know, I'm not really feeling it. So I don't know about that, but then you know he comes to his senses, thankfully. Wait, hang, hang on, a, hang on a second. As far as what Ruin's going to accomplish, this like just hit me. Then, uh, if they reverse the process and put the water back up in the streets, isn't that meant to be the drinking water for when sh- everything goes to hell? That's true. Like, is Ruin trying to get them to sacrifice their drinking water without them realizing that's what he's mm. that's what they're doing? Interesting. Maybe. I mean, the other caches all also have water. Not like that not, much water. But not yeah. not to that extent, though. They made a point of, like, this is the bulk of it. Yeah, that's the special thing that this place has more of than the other ones. Yeah, interesting. And I like that Says, he's like, okay, but explain more, please, like, how you survived jumping off that building and why you're still covering your eyes up. And uh, Spook's like, I, I don't know that I can't explain it. I'll, I'll tell you eventually, okay? They really, you need to push a little bit on this. Mm-hmm. Except that well, Says is definitely the wrong guy for that. Yeah. He's, he was never super confrontational to begin with, but especially now. Uh, but Breeze, Breeze would be all over that. It's like, what kind of answer is that? Fuck off. Tell me what's going on. Yeah, but Breeze uh, coincidentally left to get all ran before this conversation started. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we learned. <clears throat> sorry, my voice is going. We learned in last week's chapters, I think, when Penrod got his spike, mm-hmm. um, that eventually you sort of forget that it's in there too. So. Yeah. Spook could be in a position where he doesn't even really remember that he got stabbed. I don't know if enough time has passed for that to have happened yet, but it's going to get to a point where he's going to go, well, I have Kelsey's voice in my head. I don't understand how I got the powers. How can I explain what I don't understand? Yeah, it's true. He has no idea that it's related to the spike, uh, to the piece of metal. I mean, Zane never forgot that his was there, to be fair, but I think Penrod's was kind of deeper than his. Because it's like inside his heart, basically. Yeah, but Zane, so Zane knew, Zane was aware of it, but he said he'd had it like as long as he could remember. Right. He didn't remember how he got it or when he got it, just that he'd always had. So yeah, he, I guess he did forget some of the specifics. Interesting point. Yeah. And maybe if it didn't bug him so much, he was like, "This is one of the reasons I don't wear like a cloak because it rubs against this spike and it hurts." Yeah, so he's constantly aware of it. But I like Sazed comes down to he's like. Spook seems to really care, and I kind of don't. So, yeah, okay, we'll just do it. Whatever he says. Yeah, we need to be careful of the slippery slope of whatever Spook says here. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Next, he'll be asking you to be his wingman. 
Don't want that. It's like, Sage does not know how little game Spook has. I just imagine them out in a club, and uh, Spook strikes out, and Sage is just like, you know, when you asked me to be your wingman, I assumed you at least had knew how to speak to a woman. <laughs> you just keep walking up to them and saying, I know why you're so sad. Yeah. In the middle of a dance. It's, it's kind of weird. Yeah, Master Spook, I don't think that's going to work out for you, buddy. <laughs> Uh, no amount of wing manning can fix this, I, I'm sorry to say. Yep, talk to Breeze. I'm out. So we get the next epigraph now, because this chapter just ends with Says being like, okay, I'll do what you want. And it's talking more about Ruin's prison and how basically it was like he was in prison by a balance of forces, so any push that he made was, there was an equal push backwards, so it prevented him from really doing anything or much of anything. He still was able to influence some stuff, as we saw. I mean, he could talk to Zane. He apparently was able to talk to Vin if what he says about being Reen's voice her entire life is true. That may be an assumption we shouldn't make. I don't know. And it also explains it's like saying freed is uh, from prison is a little bit misleading. It released a little like more of his power so that he was the balance was back in his favor. So if there's preservation power out in the world and there's ruined power out in the world, when Ruin, the part of him that was trapped, got out, that gave him a little more. So he's winning the arm wrestling competition for the world by a little bit now. He's gradually pushing the other guy down. So he couldn't destroy the world all at once like he wanted to, but things are tilting in his favor at this point. But he's still weak, and part of that is, it says, part of Ruin's power, his very body having been taken and hidden from him was part of the cause, which is why, why Ruin became so obsessed with finding that hidden part of himself. So that goes along with what we learned from the Marsh chapter, that there's something that Ruin wants and is looking for. Mm. Which, by the way, if you're like a god, how does somebody hide a body from you? Kandra ate it. Interesting question. Kandra ate yeah. it. Interesting. Interesting theory. I like it. How much of it did the Kandra eat? Is Good. there any Let's left for me to eat? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, his, he, apparently this god has a body, and uh, he doesn't know where it is. That's awkward. Like you wake up in the morning, and you got so drunk last night, you left your body somewhere, and you don't remember where. Oh, I hate it when that happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then the next chapter is about Elend, and he's out there hanging out in the mists. And uh, I like it says Vin had explained Kelsier's now infamous motto about how the mists are our friend and they hide us, protect us, give us power. And he actually he kind of likes the mists still. And he knows that like Vin isn't a big fan of them, but he doesn't feel that way. And he starts thinking about him considering the mists stabbed him. It's true. They did do that thing. But uh, he starts thinking about Vin being trapped. And he's like, what am I going to do about that? And it's like, she'll be fine. She's Vin. She she always figures out a way, which is true. Vin always gets out of everything, but often with help, like, you know, in the first book, Sace showed up and got her out of uh, some deep shit with the Inquisitors. <laughs> and I like, like, he's thinking about the, the difference in, like, Vin doesn't like the mists, he likes them. And he's like, but can I really trust my own instincts over Vin's? Like, she has instincts from a lifetime of struggling. I have instincts from a lifetime of partying. So... Mm, who's more reliable here? And my favorite bit is when Set shows up, he's like, Ham's not here, is he? Okay, good. 
I'm tired of talking to that guy. <laughs> he does not want to get into another one of those. <laughs> so you can't go anywhere in, unless somebody carries you, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I got just the thing for you. So now, now said like all you have to do to keep set away now is have Ham with you. <laughs> but people have been fighting again. They find out Ham's out breaking up a fist fight somewhere, and Set decides to start off the conversation by by being like, "You know, she's as good as dead, right?" And he makes a point. He's like, look, at this point, I don't know that we can have siege. We're not getting more supplies. Demu had to put all the soldiers on half rations today. So we will probably starve before Yeoman does. And Luthadel is now in revolt, apparently, judging from what that guy said when he showed up the other day. And that city has been nothing but trouble. Right? If it wasn't like the one place that was going to get enough sun to grow crops, you'd think just like, forget that city, finally. Yeah. At least we haven't had to spend much time there. This book, we finally got out after two books. But it's interesting because uh, it, they've been sending soldiers to raid nearby villages. And then the sh- soldiers show up and find that the people in the village are like starving themselves and barely have any food or anything. And they can't bring themselves to hurt them or take their stuff that they have. Uh, some of the soldiers even stayed for a few days to help water the fields and do some repairs to some homes. And so... And this is part of the conversation where Ellen's just like, you think I'm a bad leader, don't you, Set? And Set's like, yeah, but you got some stuff going for you. Like, the soldiers trust you, and people like that should have been eager to rob some villages, no matter how poor those people were. But, like, you and the way that you do your thing has an effect on people. With the world falling apart, even I would rather have someone to trust as opposed to someone to fear. That's that's Biggie, Set. But, uh, yeah, he wants to attack Fadrix now. Get what you can and head back to Luthadel. And Ellen is considering that when suddenly another fight is breaking out. And Damu is waiting through the fight like, no, no, stop. And that's when somebody lays him out, just punches him right in the face. When Ellen tells everybody to stop, they do. But it also helps that he's giving them a soothing to push that along. And uh, the guy who punched Damu was like, I'm sorry. I just, they're cursed. They're the reason Lady Vin got taken, and I'm tired of listening to them. I don't like when Damu gets up. He's like, I'm sorry. I should have seen it coming. I should have been ready. It's like, dude, it's not your fault. And so it was a fight about Mistfallen again. And Ham shows up, and Ellen's like, this is ridiculous. They hit, see that guy hit Damu? Uh, Ellen says, the big man I was talking to, Brill is his name, I think. You know what we have to do. <laughs> and uh, I guess the rules of the army are that uh, hitting... I don't know if it's your superior officer in general or if it's specifically <laughs> yeah, a general. general. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're going to have to execute this guy. He's he going to die. And Ham's like, oh, come on, really? And he's like, look, if it had been somebody else, maybe we could have given him a pass. But he intentionally hit the general. If we're going to keep order in the army, he got to die. I don't know what to tell you. And there's an interesting bit in uh, the annotations here. And so he's like, Brandon says, you may not recognize a cameo appearance in this chapter. That soldier who punched Demu. If you go back to book one, you oh, I know exactly who that dude is. Well, it, and it's interesting because he he says you're gonna find the scene where Kelsier visits the caves and like Demu has a fight with somebody that you know Kelsier is like I need a champion and Demu volunteers and Kelsier forces this guy to fight him basically and then uses his allomancy to help him. And you may remember in the annotations, he uh, he was like I wanted to kill that guy, but. My alpha readers and stuff felt that I was going too far, so I changed it to where he didn't die. The thing is, the guy in the first book was called 
Bilg, B-I-L-G. And this is the same guy, he says. So he's like, I, I get to kill him now. <laughs> it, uh, it's a different name. Yeah, well, he's, he says, so I've always felt that he should have died there. So in this book, he makes trouble again, fights Damu again, and this time finally gets what he deserves. The problem is Ellen gets his name wrong and calls him Brill instead. So that makes it pretty yeah. much impossible to spot the cameo. <laughs> Ellen got his name wrong. Yes, Brandon. It's, it's all Ellen's fault. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't the guy who wrote the book who should know all the names. It wasn't him that got the name wrong. It was Ellen. <laughs> so he just accidentally says it wrong. You know, the completely yeah. intentional, 100%. Yeah. I mean, if he's the king, is he really expected to know everybody in the army's exactly. name? Exactly. How's he supposed to know everybody's name? Right. But the author, he should know everybody's name. So I'm glad it wasn't Brandon that made the mistake. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's like in, in the Dresden Files, like there's a character in the first book whose death becomes a really important motivator for somebody in a later book. But in the later book, the name is completely different. And so everyone was like, what the hell is this person talking about? Why are they so upset at Harry? It was like a, and then the, like the, it went back to the original name later in the book, didn't it? Yeah, I think it did. Or maybe in a, in a, in a maybe it was a later book, but yeah. And he, I mean, <laughs> Jim's come out and said, he's like, yeah, I, I got that name wrong uh, that in that book. So my bad. <laughs> Oh, but anyway, so this kind of galvanizes Ellen. It's like even Set's whole thing about we don't have enough food and everything for a siege. Even that aside, stuff's getting crazy. Uh, we can't keep sitting here and having this stuff happen. So one thing he does is he tells Damu, he's like, you know what? I think we need to send some people back to help Penrod. Why don't you, Damu, lead, you know, about 300 people, just coincidentally the same number of people who are misfallen, uh, back to Luthadel to help out. I feel like uh, there's just this big, big comical wink from Ellen. It's like 300. <laughs> yep. I think that'll do it. If you get my drift. It just makes me think of like the 300 and like Spartans and stuff. So, you know, that this whole group <laughs> is going to have a big climactic battle where they stand against impossible odds. Right. Is that two on the nose? Okay. They're going to have to now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if they do, then they've got to die too. If we're sticking to the plot. That, that's a fair point. Yeah. That would suck. Except David Wenham. <laughs> He got sent home. So I guess Damu is Leonidas, maybe. Or maybe Damu will be that guy. The guy who gets to run. (laughs) Now I want Damu to, like, scream, this is Sparta. That'd be great. (laughs) This is Luthadel. Right. But he does it in slang speech, so he's like... (laughs) (laughs) Wuzzing with the Luthadel. Wuzzing with the Luthadel! (laughs) Oh, gosh. But at the same... Somebody into a pit. At the same time... Into the well of ascension. Into the well, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's all there. Oh gosh. We but uh, why do we have to point out this to you, <laughs> listeners? It's all there. <laughs> it's, yeah, the, it's, the subtext is right there. You, you knew it. Uh, so he knows that they can't keep sitting there, and it gives him an idea, Ellen. That is. So he's like, you know what? We gotta take the city. So, but we're gonna need something, uh, something on our side for that. So he goes to find Norden, because if you recall. He told Norden in the last set of chapters that he wanted him to start working on monitoring the movements of various Kolos troops and figuring out if there was a pattern there. So now he's going back to Norden to look at the maps of troop movements. I love it how Norden doesn't get a line of dialogue here, but the narration still has to find a way to point out, this is a weird guy. (laughs) He kept odd hours, you know. (laughs) We, We let this guy tag along with this. Honestly, kind of a weirdo, but he's useful, and he, you know, he's not unpleasant. No, Norton's a nice guy. Yeah. I love Norton. Yeah. Spook, this is what you should be aspiring to be. 
<laughs> weird, but helpful and not creepy. Norton probably also doesn't have a girlfriend as far as we know, but uh, at least he's nice. He's the smiling obligator. <laughs> at least he doesn't lurk in the shadows to talk to people he likes. Well, as far as we know. I mean, we don't know what he does in his off hours, but yeah, <laughs> uh, he certainly doesn't come out of the shadows and say, I know why you're sad. <laughs> <laughs> that's the end of this chapter is Ellen's walking towards his tent and yeah, God comes out of the tent. The <laughs> I know why you're sad, Ellen. Your wife's been kidnapped. <laughs> and Ellen's like, uh, yeah? I think everyone knows that. Yeah, everyone is aware. <laughs> yeah, and Norton's just like, are you, sh- are you, are you sure? Because <laughs> I thought that was going to blow your mind. That should have been Beldry's response. He's like, well, yeah, everybody knows why I'm sad. What are you... What, are you yeah. new here? I don't. And then Ellen's just... like, "If you don't leave in three heartbeats, I'm gonna scream." <laughs> <laughs> and Norton's like, "You came to my tent. Yeah, that's hardly fair. <laughs> this is where I live. <laughs> don't come to your house and say I'm gonna scream. Come on, man." <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> Our final epigraph is that once Ruin was free, he could affect the world more directly, making the ash am- amounts emit more ash and making the earth begin to break apart. And that's where most of his energy was going. Uh, she's theorizing here. We also also able to affect control of far more people than before. He can now direct entire Kolos armies. So that's good, right? That's that's joyous news. Which begs the question, all right, he can direct entire armies. How much could, well, what's his limit? Because we saw at the start of the book, the Inquisitors are leading him around, so. Yep. I mean, but we also know from Marsh that he's directly controlling the Inquisitors. So, I don't, maybe it's easier to control one guy into controlling thousands of Kolos than it is to directly control thousands of, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. So it's like, he can direct entire Kolos armies. There are some steps involved, but he can. It's not just, uh, yeah, the Kolos are all under my control. Wink, wink. <laughs> He needs a Wi-Fi enhancer, and that's what the, the Inquisitors are. I just pictured um, uh, Lur climbing onto the top of his uh, his spaceship and putting the <laughs> antenna on. Single female here. We demand... What's, what's, what's her name? McNeil. McNeil. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I gotta go back and watch that episode. That's a good one. I think there's something Single female lawyer dealing with her clients, wearing sexy mini skirts, and being self-reliant. Hey, I'm pretty good. (laughs) That's that's the best line in the whole thing. It's like, hey, I'm pretty good. Oh, gosh. So we cut back to Vin in the cave, locked alone in darkness because she broke her lamp. Good job, Vin. You, You thought you were so clever. And speaking of Futurama, the impression I got when she was opening the can was when Fry tried to open the can with a Swissami knife and failed. <laughs> I was like, I'm hungry. Oh, gosh. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Uh, you're stuck in here and you have to try to, like, rip open cans with your bare hands, basically. I mean, she has pewter yeah. strength, so. Well, but she used all her pewter strength up trying to open the cans. Yeah. <laughs> they were tough cans. Badass cans, man, I don't know what to tell you. You know, there's got to be a can opener in here somewhere, right? It's just too dark to find. Well, I think that's the... She makes that point in in the chapter. She's like, he he obviously removed... Oh, yeah, okay. Like, I, ways to open the food and all that other stuff. I like that she makes the connection here. It's like, Zane heard voices, too. He seemed to be talking to something right before he died. Hmm. 
Then again, yeah. Zane was crazy. And, so <laughs> he was crazy. And I don't mean to be crass here, uh, but where is she going to the bathroom? You know, in the corner. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's uh, that's I unfortunate. Mean, Sazed and crew are living in one of these two, so maybe there's a bathroom down there. Maybe. The Lord Ruler did some renos just before. Yeah. <laughs> so he did make sure there was a master en suite um, at least set up. They could have showers and yeah. and, and go to the loo. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. that All that fancy plumbing might be technology he disapproved of. Right. Yeah. There's Plus just a big they, hole somewhere. Yeah, I, was like, say, I don't want to flush no toilets. If there was a toilet, I mean, I think her water problem would be solved, right? But that's clearly not the case. Yeah, that's yeah. true. She's just sitting here in the dark trying to figure stuff out. And she's like, man, you know what? Rashek being a selfish asshole really did work out well for the world since he didn't free Ruin because he kept the power. Uh, good point. And then she she's like, win Rashek any prizes for Christ's sake. Well, no. Uh, and then she's like, you know what? Ruin was imprisoned by something. Maybe I can find and use that. Well, it's about time you thought of this, Vin. Like, I don't know why that's not the first thing you think of. Like, wait, something managed to imprison him in the first place. There must be another way to do that, right? Uh, silly bin. Yeah, so I guess there were a bunch of water barrels down there, which it says Yeoman must have removed. He couldn't have removed everything, but he did manage to take the water. She, she'd she opened ten cans on her first day with her pewter, and that was all that she... That's all she wrote. Cans of stew. Tasty. So I guess she's... She's been down here for a while at this point, I guess. I don't remember if it said how long, but she's gone through ten cans of stew. Yeah, three, three days is what it said in the last chapter. She'd been gone. And so she's like, why did Ruin pick me to go to the Well of Ascension? And there's a lot of mysteries here that she's just like, there's no way for me to figure it out. But what we do get is the final plate left by the Lord Ruler. No map on this one, or at least not like the other ones. It says there's a simple circle with a dot at the center. Which she didn't know what that meant, but the text was also not helpful. And the Lord Ruler says, I failed you. I planned these caverns knowing that there was a calamity coming, but I don't know how to beat it. There's nothing that I can do. And if you're reading this, it means that I'm dead. And as I write this, I find that prospect less tragic than I might previously have assumed. I'd rather not deal with the thing. Apparently it's been whispering to him all this time, telling him to destroy and begging him to free it. So that's nice. A thousand years of... Uh, ruin whispering in your ear that's gotta suck yep and i guess 800 years at the, at the point he wrote this so it's been 200 years since he created these caches i guess and sometimes i hear the voices and simply assume i'm mad that would certainly be preferable and the voice tries to convince him not to write this stuff down and he's like that's the main reason i'm doing it because it seems to piss the thing off so i feel like that's a good enough reason by itself I tried to be a good ruler. I mean, when I was young, I got angry and made mistakes, but I've tried so hard. He really just seems like he's mood swinging a lot. You're not wrong. He's saying like, look, I tried to be a good ruler. And then on the flip side, can't they not see how perfect my rule is? Yep. He's just like, why did they, why these rebellions keep happening? They can't beat me and I have to kill them when they were each time they rise up. Why can't they see how perfect it is? Although eerily, that's kind of like what happened to Ellen in the previous chapter where it's like, I, to maintain order, I've got to kill this guy. we got to execute this guy because he broke the rules, which is kind of what the Lord Ruler is saying here. He's like, these guys rise up and they can't beat me, so I'm going to still be in charge at the end, and so i got to kill them because they broke the rules. That's the only way to keep things stable. And but then he's like, well, I mean, you know, really, I don't need any justification. I, I am God, after all. It's a humble guy still. 
after 800 years. I know there's something greater than I, and if I can be destroyed, it, it will be the cause of that destruction. I have no advice. It's more powerful than me. It's more powerful than the world. It claims to have created the world, in fact. It will destroy us all eventually. Maybe all the stuff I got will help you guys survive a little while longer. Maybe not. I'm dead, so I doubt that I should care. But yeah, and this is where he's like, I, you're my people. I am the hero of ages. That is what it must mean. A hero that lives through the ages as I do. Know that the thing's power is not complete. Fortunately, I have hidden his body well. So the Lord Ruler is the one who managed to hide Ruin's body from him. Hmm. So we can add grave robbing to, to his list, to his resume. <laughs> He's like, I got this corpse. I hit it good. So, okay. There's, there's some interesting, and I can't read everything, but there's some st- interesting stuff in the annotations about this. Brandon says the Lord Ruler's plaque was difficult to write. Originally, it was much shorter, but I expanded it during the last draft because I felt it was just too useless. Even still, it doesn't say much, and that's the problem. I was always intending the Lord Ruler's final plate to contain no answers. It works into my theme for the series. This was a quest book playing off the epic fantasy ideal of the powerful object that must be discovered and used to fight evil. Except this time, I wanted them to go to the place they'd been questing for and find it empty with no answers from the Lord Ruler. I figured this would heighten the sense of hopelessness for the characters as they try to defeat Rowan. The problem is, I realized that I've done exactly what I wanted, but that it's also a really big letdown. And I hate letting down readers. It feels like I'm breaking promises. After consideration, I think this is still the best thing to do, but I wish I'd found another way to deal with it. So does everyone feel let down now that we've gotten to the end of the pl- this plaque to that plaque to this plaque chase and found nothing useful? You know, it, it's kind of Brandon's style, I feel like, at this point to build something up and then it not be what it was what what they hoped it would be mm. so i was expecting it at this point okay that's fair so you're saying for an author who is trying to not let the readers down continuously that lets the readers down <laughs> <laughs> i'm not saying let's lets us down but he has a different way that he wants to do things so i feel like now by this point having read almost three of his books and and in totality almost completed this series of uh, of this first era of Mistborn. I feel like at least for this series, that is his, that has been his style. It's just like, make them think one thing. I'm going to zig when they think I'm going to zag. So like this thing has been built up. And also I feel like he uses Vin a lot as like the scapegoat for like Vin thinks this, th- this thing. So you can almost guarantee it's not going to be that mm. thing. <laughs> yeah, I would agree with you. So and and that's you know that uh, he's not doing Vin a disservice. That's part of her character is you know she starts to think of something and then she gets completely absorbed by it. And people do that in real life. They obsess mm-hmm. over things and think things are a certain way when in reality that's not what it was. And then they do get you know they do get let down or disappointed at the end. So I don't feel like he's doing he's letting us down. I feel like he's playing into what he's been doing the entire series. Yes, very true. It would have felt too easy if we'd actually gotten answers out of this, I think. Not mm. not that they haven't gone through struggles to get to that point, but we still have a lot of book left. And, yeah. you know, true to Brandon's style, it th- seems to come together at the end. So we're still in that information gathering stage as a, re- as a reader. So if we had been ha- handed some kind of magical key answer, it just would have felt wrong here. And I think we still wouldn't have been able to trust it. Mm, yeah if you get if halfway through the book you get the magical answer to all the problems it's probably a lie that's a good point <laughs> and I, 
he's trying to he's trying to play with like tropes of fantasy. So it's like we're gonna have a big quest, and then when you get to the end of the quest, you don't actually get what you thought you were getting, or or the whole thing where it's like the first book in Alendi's whole quest, where it's like this guy goes on this long horror difficult quest to get up there and take the power. And then at the last minute he gets killed and like his assistant takes it instead. He just wants to turn the tropes on you and make you expect one thing. You're, you're right. He, he mm. it's like he zags when you think he's going to zig. It's true. There is something else here and I can't read all of this. is The part that I can't read all because there's a little, a little bit of spoilery stuff in here, but he says also in these annotations, note that there is the circle with the dot here and it is completely lost on Vin. The size of the circle in relation to the text around it and some numerical clues scribbled around the perimeter of the circle are indications of the size of the size of a scale map that the circle should be placed on. If placed the right way, the dot will point directly at something important. I cut mm. out the thing there. Vin's awesome, but she's barely got a basic education. A complex mathematical puzzle like this is completely lost on her. If Ellen had had the time to study the plate, he might have figured out where it was pointing. There is not time, however. Lord Ruler did leave a very important clue on this plate. However, I feel that obscure clues like this are, decipher are deciphered far too often in books like this one. I think realistically, if you're going to leave a clue like that, chances are good that it will end up getting missed or misunderstood, which is exactly what happens here. Hmm. So there's an interesting little note that's almost completely not present in the book, where it's like, oh, there's actually this really complicated puzzle here that would give them a great clue. They just don't know that and never figure it out. And he's got a point that in books and movies and things, people get these really crazy, obscure puzzles and figure them out really fast often and get the clues out of them. But in reality, you probably would not. I think that's the entire premise of the National Treasure movies, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Oh, all these clues that could easily have been destroyed or mis over the years or misunderstood get followed uh, at the last second. I was thinking more Indiana Jones where it's like, and take back one Kadam. For the Hebrew God whose Ark this is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why'd you tell me to give that many to start with then? <laughs> Seriously, why is it on the other side of there? Why did you <laughs> Why don't just say that to start with? <laughs> oh, man. But anyway, Vin is pretty disappointed. Or she's like, she says, it was infuriating, almost crushingly so. So she's mad, but like really depressingly mad somehow. <laughs> Like, oh no, the evil Dark Lord who I killed and, you know, was genocidal uh, didn't have all the answers. Whoops. <laughs> I feel like this is another conversation that probably could have just happened. You know, the Lord Ruler probably, well, maybe not because Ruin would hear everything. No. But I guess you'd be like, hey, go to this place and read this or do this. Like, <laughs> if he just tried to communicate what he was doing somehow instead of just doing it on his own, eh, maybe they wouldn't have ended up in this situation. Yeah. But he thought he was God and knew best about everything, apparently. So mm. he, he was kind of a do-everything-himself sort of person anyway. He didn't really seem to have any friends. No, not really. Maybe Carr was his friend. I don't know. <laughs> they, hunt, they hang out, go bowling. <laughs> uh, fuck it. Lord Ruler, let's, let's go bowling. <laughs> Over the line! What? <laughs> I'm the only one who gives a shit about the rules. Like, yes, he's like, car, yes, yes Roshek, you are. Calm down, Car. It's like, you're not wrong, Car. You're just an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Oh man, I gotta go back and watch that movie. Although I'm not gonna lie, like if 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 I bowled, if I was bowling and I wasn't sure if I stepped over the line or not, and and the man full of spikes started yelling me that I'd fucked up, I I probably was like, all right, whatever, man. Yeah. Market market zero, dude. It's fine. Yeah, yeah that's that's totally cool. <laughs> please please stay away from. Me. Uh, he's he's a conscientious objector. Yeah. Smokey was a conscientious objector, man. Also, he has issues beyond pacifism. <laughs> oh gosh. Anyway, I, but Vin is very frustrated that the Lord Ruler had a thousand years to figure this shit out and came up with nothing. He came up with, I'm sorry, uh, y'all are on your own. <laughs> Although she does latch onto it. It's like, wait a second, I've hidden his body well. That part seems important. <laughs> hidden his body well. Hidden his body in the in well? well. Oh. Most of him was in the well, though. So I don't know that that makes any sense. That's why it's the perfect hiding place. That's what the <laughs> Da Vinci Code taught us. You, t- uh, yeah. you, put the, you put the thing directly under where the first clue is found. Yep. They go all over the world and wind up back in the same spot again. You put the lime in the coconut. You're right. Yep. <laughs> That's that movie. It's been so long since I saw the Da Vinci Code. Uh, seriously, like I don't remember anything about it. I, I, I never read the book. Uh, I mean, Paul Bettany flatulates himself a lot. Yes. You, you know, Paul Bettany is his flatulence. <laughs> <laughs> Not flatulence. <laughs> Sorry, I can't watch that movie the same way now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, never again. Yeah. Every time he whips himself, she just hears like. Purr, purr. <laughs> Uh, but you know, the, oh, the, he's always intimidating when he's chasing down his victims and he's just farting. The whole time. <laughs> no, no, no! Now I can't even watch Vision the same way. No, no, I've never see Vision the same way again. Or Jarvis, like Jarvis is just like, yes, sir, fart. No, it's not. It's like you're a program. Why are you farting? <laughs> Why? Yeah, how does that even happen? I, I don't, I don't know, sir. Pepper reprogrammed me as a I joke. Was- <laughs> that, that that totally sounds like the sort of thing that Tony Stark would program in there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah, you're not wrong. Jarvis, you need a fart button. <laughs> so do I really need that? Yes. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the, okay, my, my strongest memory of the movie The Da Vinci Code isn't even from the movie. We paid to see The Da Vinci Code, and what I remember is we walked out of the theater and then walked directly into the theater across the way because the movie The Poseidon Adventure was just starting – in that oh, yeah, theater. the reboot, or the remake. Yeah, the remake, and so I we snuck there. in and watched that movie, and that's all I remember about either of those movies, is the part in between, where we went to see one without paying. Yeah, yeah, yeah Cinemark, try to get your money back from me, you can't. <laughs> Statute of limitations, dude. Yeah, for real. Yeah, the Poseidon Adventure uh, was was not good. The second one was not good. Uh, the first one was okay. But yeah, after watching The Da Vinci Code and then watching The Poseidon Adventure, I was like, I don't think I want to see a movie again for a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. I once saw a really shitty Vin Diesel science fiction movie in the cinemas. The only thing I remember about it was halfway through, the fire alarm went off, and we had to evacuate the cinema. Was it Chronicles of Riddick? No. It was... Um, was it Perfect Dark? That was not perfect. You, you mean Pitch Black, not Perfect Dark. Oh, that's what I meant. Yeah, <laughs> Perfect Dark's a different thing. Yeah, Babylon AD, I think... Uh, I don't know. That was a submarine. That's about. That's about all I remember. Was he? Uh, was he Groot in that one? Or uh, if he was, it would have been so much better. Yeah. Apparent. Okay. Apparently, he his name in that movie is Turop. T O O R O P. Sure. So yeah, <laughs> that that's practically Groot. So, is that like the cousin of Torok, the guy who hunts dinosaurs? <laughs> yeah. Sure. Why not? Okay. Okay. Sorry. So this chapter ends with uh, somebody opening the door. 
to the storage cache. She hears that and is like, oh, sweet. Something's opening. Although, you know what? It would be really funny if Ruin can make her hear stuff if he just made it sound like the cavern was opening and then she gets there and he's like, ha, ha, ha. Made you look. That'd be so mean. <laughs> so you don't have yeah, to you know, the whole me. wanting to end the world thing, like, that's just part of his jam. But making people hear things, like, that's 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 just rude. Just over the yeah. line. That's how he over gets down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so that's the end of these chapters. What uh, predictions? Let's, let's do reverse the order that we did this to start. So, Dak, you can go first. Okay. Well, like I said, I think I just need to start swinging for the fences and just go outright crazy with my predictions. So, now you got to um, come up with something really good to to fill, fulfill that. Yep. So, yeah, so, Ru- so Ruin's body has been eaten by the first generation Kandra, and that's why they're now old and decrepit and whatnot, because mm. it's slowly, it's causing them to, it's causing them to decay over time. Oh. Uh, yeah. What, what else, what else we got? Um, I'm, st- I, I'm still hanging on to this idea that Beldry is the real power in Erto, not Quellian. So, I think, yeah, I, 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 I think that Spook is probably going to, like, blow it, kill Quellian. Maybe he'll set off a volcano under his house. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then it, and then it turns out Beldry is not only like, in charge, but she's also a misborn. Why not? Mm-hmm, uh, sure. And uh, then, and yeah, Spook's just like, man, I've got so much power. This is great. And Beldry's just like, bitch, you got nothing. And stomps him. Okay. So the, the Condra have, have the body and uh, Beldry is the evil superpower. Got it. Yeah. These are good. Okay. Okay, so I my my body theory was maybe one of the bodies became a colos. Ooh. Mm, just for funsy. Yeah, be, you, that would be hidden fairly well, I guess. But, Can you imagine Ruin being totally pissed and he's realized, I've been controlling my own body all along. <laughs> <laughs> right under his nose, I, just where you suggested to put it. I feel like, yeah, I, I, I feel like Ruin would have to be able to sense that his body is somewhere. But if he has a body, does that mean that he was a person of some sort? Or hmm. maybe he was one of these gods that Sazed is yet to reread in his 50 more religions to go through. I think, I do think we're going to have answers in somewhere in those 50 religions. It just feels like, I know Sazed is going through a lot, but it feels like we keep coming back to that. And it's yeah. like, please don't forget that Sazed is going through his his files and trying to figure it out. But there's also a case of how much, if he's got all these on, on paper, how much of that can we trust? Yeah, I don't really know. But there's going to be something significant in there. Also, this this point on the map that Vin's missed, maybe that's where the body is. You overlay all of that and that's where it is. But you'd think if Ruin can read all of this, then he would have read that and known where his body is as well. Right. So, yeah, I don't really know. But I thought, yeah, I mean, if you're going to hide a body, disguise him as a colos. It kind of makes sense. That was my my first thought. Let me hang on. Let me pull up my other thoughts. I don't remember things these days, so I've got to write everything down. <laughs> I thought it was just like your your brain's a computer. You're like, hold on, let me open the folder with my other thoughts yeah. in it. Let me let me go into my metal minds and <laughs> your phone is your metal mind. <laughs> They'd have to be at home. <laughs> um, is, yeah. So I liked the the uh, the little tip that with the inquisitors having the ability to pierce the copper clouds because they've effectively got double power. So if what uh, Joe was theorizing last week and Dak about 
Finn having like her earring, or so Joe's prediction was the earring, giving her some sort of additional power. So maybe she's got that double copper cloud uh, piercing ability, mm. um, which kind of puts her in line for that uh, with, with what we expect. But because she was already a Mistborn to begin with, she doesn't need all of these spikes to give her that power. It's just it's giving her extra. Yeah. So I think Joe is definitely onto something there. And oh, I think I said in the earlier in the episode that Sazed, when Sazed accesses Metal Mines, that's going to unlock a whole bunch of things, I think, particularly involving hemology. He's probably got something in there about it. Not that he probably knows he's got it, but I think once certain pieces of information come together, he'll have other bits and pieces that we'll be able to help the, the crew figure out what's actually going on there. Um, and just the way the epigraph writer is writing about things, I don't think they're going to win. I think the world is going to die before the end of the book or at the end of the book. Whoever whoever this hero of ages is clearly survives to be able to write about it after the fact, but I don't think we're going to have a happy ending. Oh. Yeah. Rock, rocks fall, everybody dies. That's sad. Okay. Yeah. The end of the book is Says just riding a meteor off into the cosmos, just going, well, planet's gone. <laughs> we did talk about somebody oh. going to space. That was the whole thing. Yeah, Data did say that in the beginning. So it makes sense that someone could survive, but I think we're going to lose most of the people that we know. So, okay, I'm trying to think. If Vin has a spike, and for the argument, we'll say Joe's right. It's, it's an earring, right? That mm. gives her extra bronze so that she can pierce copper clouds like that mm. it would have had to been used that spike to kill somebody who was either a mistborn or a seeker to give her the power and then i guess the ear would have to be one of those places that you can pierce because apparently the place matters right so the ear has yeah. to be one of, the, one of the spots where you can stick a spike for that particular power Okay, interesting. Yeah, because I think we talked about it last week that, like, with Penrod, for example, no one was really giving him powers. They just right. needed – Ruin just needed the ability to communicate with him. So we know that we know that a spike from someone who doesn't have an alimantic or, or um, ferrochemical ability will do that, but she clearly does have more power in this area than she should have as a Mistborn. Mm. So unless she's got another spike somewhere – I mean, I also don't know how you'd necessarily kill someone with an earring, but could you could you have killed someone with a piece of metal and then fashioned it into something else? Oh yeah, maybe. Like I, I don't. I mean, obviously the time out of the body would mean that it's lessened, but she's already a mistborn. So, I mean, whether the person knew that. Also, what was Ruins? I mean, was it deliberate or is it accidental that she's got this mm. ability? What was like, why was Vin targeted, if she oh. was targeted, to to have this ability? And to that extent, why was Zane targeted? I mean, maybe that is another Mistborn who has an extra spike of some sort. You know, if he'd, unless he became a Mistborn because a Mistborn was killed and then was given a spike, I don't know. But, yeah, there's something, there's something about Vin. Why would Ruin be interested in this tiny child? Yeah. To, to talk to them, unless it was purely a case of, you know, raising an army effectively. Maybe it was just unlucky that she managed to to do that. But hmm. how many other people are running around with a voice in their head too? So 
Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. You got me thinking. It's like, how many... Like, why then, if she's, like, a child at the time? Like, what... Is, is, is Rowan playing that deep a game that he somehow knew that she could overthrow the Lord Ruler all the way back then? Or... Mm, I don't know. We also had we also had a discussion of um, the I can't remember the name of the medal, but the the little beads that granted alimentic yeah, yeah. and yes, and I think Brandon wrote a note in one of the annotations that yes, there was an extra one left over or or something like that. So we were kind of theorizing that that's how she got her yep yep ability. So has would someone have gone to the effort of going okay, well this child's it, we're going to make you a misborn. And then we're going to give you this ability as well. Oh, yeah, that is uh-huh. going a long way. Yeah. Going a long way. So, I, don't know. I think that would make her stronger than Ellen, though. So my thought would be that maybe the person that took the bead bore her or is closer in generation to her mm. than it actually being her. So the power wasn't quite as diluted, maybe. Yeah, that would make sense. Then she would be stronger than normal but not as strong as Ellen who got one of the beads and gets like the maximum. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. His power is maximum. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Broly. Okay. Good. I like, I like, uh, I like where this is going. Go ahead, Joe. What do you got? Um, not much to add. I like both of their things. Alternative theory to the earring being how Ruin talks to her. Maybe the Ruin talking, being able to get in her head is actually pretty recent because the Lord Ruler says on the plate that Ruin talks to him. And I mean, I don't think we know that the Lord Ruler had any spikes inside of him. So maybe it was just the fact that she went into the well and touched him and his power. And that's why he can affect her. Um, That's a good point. She touched the power at the well. I think... Yeah, we he definitely didn't have a spike like the Inquisitors do, like in the back, because Marsh grabbed for it, and he's like, I don't have one of those. Yeah. We we do know that the bracers he wore went through his arm to make it hard to pull on them. Yeah, I just assumed that those were ferrochemical bracers only. Right, yeah. But yeah, you're right. It could have been that one of those was um, a hemallergic mm, yeah. metal, but I assumed they were just ferrochemical. Um, if you're right, if you're right about this being a new thing for for Vin to hear, I guess on some level that would imply that Ruin, on some level, could know what she was thinking, or because I mean, say all those years that Reen's voice in her head saying you'll be betrayed and can't trust anybody and all that sort of stuff. If that's what she's thinking, it's kind of interesting that Ruin would then tap into Reen. Can he actually read thoughts, or is it only because they've, because she's touched Ruin, that he's got a special connection with her, or it's got a special connection with yeah. her? Yeah, which leads me to another theory, like why can Ruin not touch people inside their heads? Because the way that this is turning, especially with that plate saying Ruin claims he's part of, you know, part of what created the world it's like if he can't touch their minds then is ruin the creator of humanity and my guess is no so maybe the other force preservation is actually the creator of humanity even though even though uh, the conjurer said the opposite Tencent Hmm. said the opposite we do Um, know from what they've told us that there's a piece of preservation in everybody granting them sentience so yeah there's at least some of him in there yeah. So 
Yeah, the the not being able to touch them in their heads thing, but Marsh, um, and I forget, at the beginning of the book, does Marsh say in his brain, like, is Ruin able to control him via thought? I thought Mm -hmm. that maybe Marsh was safe inside his head. Yeah, Um, I think you get the impression that he can't uh, can't hear, because Marsh is, like, plotting in his head. Yes, and he's super controlled by Ruin, so I feel like that is not something but then you make a good point then my theory doesn't really fit my alternative theory doesn't really fit because um unless she spoke that reen stuff out loud um which i think maybe she did one time to ellen maybe but not the exact yeah but not the exact words you know how would he get that information so um Mm -hmm. but yeah there's so anyway yeah ruin if he is the god that helped create this world that I assume that preservation is the other side of it, working in tandem and balance, as they say. So I'm interested to think, because then that makes me think, well, if Ruin is a god or half of this godly force and he has a body, then does preservation have a body? I would think mm. that it that preservation would have a body. So I'd be interested to kind of know what uh what preservation's body would be like yeah or is he walking maybe it's around not an somewhere? actual body maybe it's a celestial body celestial thing moved hmm yeah hmm and then maybe says religion if it's the one about the stars and the sun oh uh, right yeah has some kind of significance mm. mm-hmm. that's good i like that but yeah, that's pretty much all I got. I feel like we're getting closer to the end of this book, and I feel like everything's getting super meta is probably not the right word, but it's just like it's getting weirdly like existential, like <laughs> deep, like uh, you know, I think therefore I am. Are my thoughts really my own? Like that kind of stuff. Like it's getting kind of crazy. Yeah, we are. We're fifty-eight percent of the way through at the end of this chapter, so. We're in the back half at the very least, almost to the last third. So, yeah, okay. Uh, speaking of how far we have gone, for the next episode, we're reading four more chapters. That is 49, 50, 51, and 52. Uh, so for those of you who are following along, that's what we're doing for next time. Uh, no emails, unless something has come in since we started. No. Uh, no, no new reviews or anything like that for this week. So none of that stuff to hit on. Uh, in fact, I don't think there's anything that we necessarily need to go over here at the end. So, well, if you'd like to email us, oh, thank you. There we go. I knew there was something I'm missing. If you'd like to email us, the email address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and all the various places uh, that cool things happen on the internet. Uh, not TikTok because I don't know what the fuck I would TikTok about. So. <laughs> I can barely I can barely come up with good things to uh, put on Instagram every week. I'm 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 close to resorting to finding silly uh, uh, memes about Mistborn and throwing them up there. I try to avoid that for the most part, especially stuff I didn't create. I don't like taking other people's art and putting it up there. But there's some some tempting uh, things that I found recently. Anyway, sis, so let us know uh, uh, your thoughts. Give us talking points if we've missed something that you would rather that uh, we had discussed, things like that. Or just email me, as uh, people sometimes do, to uh, be like, hey, Data, how funny was it when uh, when this happened in this episode? Haha. <laughs> wait, just wait till they figure it out, like, ten episodes from now. 
because uh, that we did have one email this week, and that's basically what it was. It was like, oh my gosh, data wasn't that great. I was like, yeah, I know what you mean, man. <laughs> also, we have Discord. Yeah, we do have a Discord where you're uh, where we can talk about that kind of stuff. Uh, it's been put up a couple places a link, but if you want one, feel free to email or comment somewhere, and I will be happy to provide the link. Uh, okay, so yeah, four chapters next time. Music by Miracle of Sound. And wasing to the time of next, everyone. As the tiles of steel and stone crumble to dust, the foundations of our hope begin to rust. Choking fear, screaming sound, as a reaper comes to ground, you turn to face it down because you must. And when the world is starts to Wait, what was our, what was our new wasing to the pissing piss off everyone? No, that's not. <laughs> I feel like we have to tell you the listeners to piss off. I feel like that's no, the line. no, no, yeah, probably not. Over the line.